This is a diet of Brussels. What's the Canadian option? Uh, over the past eight months, we've covered uh, a whole variety of uh, models that the UK might follow if it weren't uh, a member. Um, we haven't done one that's been uh, outside of the EU so far. But uh, off the back of the uh, Open Europe event, which I talked about in the previous episode, uh, there was quite a bit of discussion about the, the Canadian option, uh, the CETA model. And it's worth perhaps just uh, talking about uh, how that, uh, that works and just give you a sense of what it means. Uh, Canada has had long-standing uh, 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 discussions about uh, what it might do in the way of relations with uh, the EU uh, for, uh, well pretty much a decade. But part of that then has been about how this has got to be arranged in relation to Canada's other options uh, and relations, particularly uh, in relation to the North American free trade area, NAFTA. However, after much toing and froing uh, and uh, kind of a sort of provisional uh, agreement on trade and investment, um, there was an agreement that uh, there would be a need for something much more ambitious and comprehensive in, in scope. And after several years of negotiation, uh, we had the signing uh, in 2004 of the Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement, CETA, uh, between Canada and the EU. Basically what that does is... Uh, integrate the two countries on a variety of areas. So it pulls together uh, uh, provisions on industry, on agriculture, on um, property rights, copyright provisions, uh, things like that. Um, So actually a quite substantial package, quite wide-ranging. Now, uh, the reason that it was brought up at the, the Open Europe event was that it was seen as a way of Uh, creating a a wide-ranging relationship uh, with a non-member state um, that provided a degree of flexibility and engagement and participation. Now, uh, that's certainly uh, the case, and, you know, it's the argument uh, why uh, uh, the UK is... It's often given that the UK could be all right outside if it had this kind of free trade... uh, uh, arrangement, um, because then it would maintain access. At the same time, it's useful, I think, also to, to rehearse some of the arguments about why that wasn't a good option. First one is simply the the timeline of, of doing this, that uh, these uh, negotiations took uh, several years uh, with a relatively small uh, economy. Canada is not uh, economically very substantial and isn't very much directed towards uh, the European market. So it was a suggestion that this is uh, potentially something which was uh, not the right kind of of model and certainly not one that could be organised quickly. Second issue is that uh, potentially this uh, kind of model merely reinforces the dynamics which might have pushed the UK out in the first place. The concerns about uh, having to simply uh, take what was given would be amplified. Um, So uh, much as we've discussed with the 
Swiss or the Norwegian models uh, back before Christmas. So it is in Canada that Canada is able to uh, uh, make observations, express opinions about new pieces of legislation, uh, but it can have no veto or no blocking uh, rights, or uh, let alone any uh, voting rights, uh, about new legislation. Basically, it adopts uh, the relevant EU provisions uh, if it wants to maintain its market access. So in terms of uh, losing one's voice and losing one's vote, this would seem to merely reinforce that kind of approach. At the same time, uh, it does highlight that as much as we talk about the EU as an actor that has uh, tried to uh, liberalise and uh, uh, free up uh, trade internationally, there are still issues here around uh, what uh, that might look like. But also that you know there is a proliferation of bilateral arrangements. So there is some potential, uh, one could uh, foresee, uh, in which one of these kind of arrangements, maybe not exactly like the CETA, might be possible.